Hello, welcome to This Is Realism. I'm Andy Russell and I'm here with Dan Fisher. Sounds good. Try my best. Mm -hmm. So, since our podcast kind of went out last time, uh -huh. uh, we have had 10 listeners. That's, that's good. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, and none of them were me. No, none of them were me either. So, 10 people, and, and it reminded me of a story. Um, I used to go to see a lot of bands at a place called the Newport Centre, which surprisingly is in uh, Newport. Right. And it, it's like a big leisure centre, okay. run by the council, but a bit of this huge hall. And uh, I went to see uh, Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine, who were an early 90s indie band. Yeah. For youngins out there. Um, and they were supported by two bands. One was the Family Cat. And the other one was called Mucky Pup, who nobody had pretty much heard of. Anyway, Mucky Pup were on first, and they did this set, and you know they're pretty good. And then just before the end, the lead singer said, um, "I'm really shocked and I'm really disgusted because only one person has bought a Mucky Pup T-shirt today. So this whole song is dedicated to that one person. So I thought, in the spirit of that, mm. this whole episode is dedicated to those ten people that listened last week. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, and 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 grateful we are to those people. Yeah. I mean, you know, they gave up time, a valuable commodity. Yes, indeed they did. Um, I, I reckon we probably know most of them. I guess we probably do, but let's not name names. Let's not name names. We don't need to. We don't need to. No, you know who you are. Anyway, I wanted to also tell you. Mm. Um, have you heard of Sally in the Woods? No. Okay. This was explained to me and is kind of relevant because of where we are and work. Mm. So Sally in the Woods, okay, is an area on the A363 between Bathford and Bath. Mm. And this stretch of road is allegedly haunted, hence the title Sally in the Woods. Okay. Because apparently drivers see like these ghostly figures on the road and almost cause them to have accidents and the road is always having to be repaired because they believe this area is haunted and it's amazing how you get all these little sort of stories i mean i must have tumbled down that road in my car dozens of times just driving about with work and you don't know these interesting like little stories and things of history and the like yeah i think yeah no i know what you mean I, i've been down there once or twice um, well, with work and obviously living around this neck of the woods is is something you're going to come across. This is it. Quite interesting that. Um, so, have you seen any? Have you seen Sally down down the road? Down no. In the wood? No, you've not. No, seen it. not at all. Apparently, it's more of a nighttime thing, um, so I probably wouldn't see it. But yeah, there you okay. go. A little bit, little bit of an interesting story that was told to me this okay. week. Because when they raised the issue of, oh, have you heard of Sally in the Woods? I thought it might have been a totally different story. But well, yeah, to be honest, I thought you were going down the uh, the road of an indie band after you started. Yeah, I kind of totally just threw your train of thought totally right. off there. But no, it's a it's it's a haunting type story, and apparently it goes back, back, back into the mists of time. This this story. So there you go. I think I'll, um, I'll have to go and have a look at that afterwards. Um, 
I'll tell you one thing that did pop up this week that, and then we, we had a brief conversation about it, but nothing major but I remember a long time ago I think it was when we first started working together I turned around to you and said have you ever heard of this thing where people microdose LSD and apparently it's meant to make you super smart and everything and yes we, I remember yeah, yeah. we had a call about it so anyway you sent me a message going I've seen this today and there's an article about it so there's an exceptionally good article that I found um, talking about how uh, they're going to do some trials on microdosing LSD because apparently it's it's all the rage in, in Silicon Valley um, and I've often been fascinated with this because obviously they've, they've got pictures of the brain scans and it shows how much of the brain actually lights up when you've got LSD there yeah and I just think it's quite interesting that they're, they're looking at some of these so-called recreational drugs and they're going back to them and, and finding stuff out um, and I just think it would be quite interesting to see the results of the study when it's done almost definitely mm. because I know, I know a lot of people um, well a lot of people a lot of scientists are sort of quite convinced by these magic mushrooms for mm. alleviating depression and I think my, my only concern is I wondered if you'd build up some sort of tolerance so, you, so you'd have to increase that microdose to, to have the same yeah. effect you know by the by the end of the year you're going to be you're literally going to have to be completely off your tits to to get it yes yeah. and yeah. apparently yeah, apparently Cary Grant mm. I think it was Cary Grant um, he was big into that microdosing um, because he went into therapy for a while oh right and and apparently he got into it and a lot of people credit that with the demise of his career because he had kind of had his mind opened up that there was more to life than than work and Hollywood and, well, and, yeah. and all the rest of it and um, basically he was one of the first people to sort of benefit from that therapy but obviously as it become you know LSD become the great one of the great sort of boogeymen of American culture he kind of stepped away from it well it's yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it was, of course, guesses around the 60s, 70s, the whole Woodstock thing, and, and just kind of the whole anti establishment thing, isn't it? Because, I mean, get, you're, you're talking around Vietnam, was that Nixon era? Yeah. You know, and he was literally dead straight down the line, really. I mean, he was, you know, crooked, but his political view was very the government are in charge, and that's it, you, you know. And they went off and fought a war that was pointless and not needed, but, you know. Aren't they all? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, I'm surprised because you you know Cary Grant. I just wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought it. Wouldn't have thought it. I believe believe he was born in Western Supermare. Would you believe? Oh no 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 yeah I know about his um, yeah. southwest uh, connections. He, he kind of lost the accent quite quickly, didn't he? <laughs> strangely, <laughs> strangely, yeah. Because otherwise, you, you know, he would have been the original Wurzels, I guess. Um, and if this you don't know who the Wurzels are, then well, there's problems. Well, that that's that's what Google's there for, isn't it? Well, yeah. So the other thing that I've seen this this week as well is um, read an interesting article on the BBC News website. So it's dated from the fifth of September, um, and it's about this woman who won four million pound jackpot um, uh, on the lottery. Now, 
it's quite interesting because um, you 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 see this picture when you first start reading it, and there's these two women dancing, and then you read through the story. Anyway, it turns out that you know this this woman used to be a man, so it's 57 year old Melissa. Um, she's transgender, so she's transitioned, obviously, and and winning the lottery has helped her do that, which I think you know is quite a bold move. Apparently, used to be a, a taxi driver. Right. Um, and, and you know, I'm reading that, and I'm thinking that's brilliant. That's you know, fair shout. You know, you 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 were unhappy with what you did, and you you took that money, and you you know, you went and sorted it out. So, um, previously called Les, which I must admit is is as much as you know, it's fine. It just tickled me because it's one of those things where Les to Melissa, and you just think it's not a massive leap. Um, no, but. The thing that gets me is, is towards the end of the story, it talks about how strangely her family have um, reached out and started to reconnect with her again. How strange. Yeah. And I how just strange. thought, how very cynical. Like, yeah, they're very accepting now of, of an alternative lifestyle because uh, there might be a few quid in it from. Yeah, they, they've got several million reasons now why yeah, they've decided to reach out. Several million. And then um, when you see the last picture, she looks very tired. Um, but I think also from what I was reading, she's got a yeah. I think her she's got a fiance now. He's thirty-seven as well, a woman. Right. I think um, from what I can remember. Interesting story. I'll put the link um, and I'll do it on a blog post on the on the blog so people can read it because I just it it just tickled me because I thought it was quite an interesting story and it was kind of a bit out of left field for. For the BBC News, it's one of their stories. Ones, not like a. Oh, by the way, this has happened. It was a. Oh, and a human interest. Was, yeah, human interest. Yeah, something that's not about the doom and gloom of everyday news, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. Totally unconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across the Web Design Museum this week. Oh yeah. And so basically, it pretty much does what it says on the label. And it has a lot of screenshots of websites from way back in the day. Um, Facebook in 2004 is a picture. It is an absolute... And 1990s websites have a lot to answer for. But it is worth looking back just to see how far we've come in terms of the, the internet and design and, and, and all the rest of it. You. YouTube is another one. Uh, YouTube mm. from 2005 um, is another sort of mucky website. Very, yeah, it, it, it's a. I, I would tumble along there if you ever get the opportunity. Webdesignmuseum.org to see all those websites you know and love in their horrific glory. I tell you what, I did see um, a website, and this is a good one to do it on. Actually, the BBC News website doesn't feel like it's changed a great deal over the years right. um, but when you go back and look at it it has actually, that it's quite dynamic but it's it's a simple design that's worked from the beginning and they've done very little to it but they have if you know what I mean, it's, it's yeah. they've modernised it and obviously you know when you think uh, about the fact that they're doing like BBC iPlayer which is quite cutting edge and if you look at all the iPlayers uh, the, the, you know, the catch up TV um, bits of software it's the best one out there um, you know the the bit rate on the ITV one is crap. The the bit rate on the, the Channel Four one is crap. I mean the Channel Four one's great because it's got all their back catalogue. Channel Five one is I don't think I watched Channel Five, so I wouldn't ever go there to be fair. But what the the few bits I have seen on it, I've not really been massively interested. 
and um, is not not great quality, which is never great. Do, do you think that the BBC website is just because they've never gone for big wholesale changes because the design and the sort of the evolution of the design has been quite subtle you're never really aware that it's changed but you can see that it's changed if yeah. you see what i mean yeah so it's it's been an evolution not a revolution of changes it's it's always just in you know got i mean it's easy it's an easy to use website um you know uh in in a in another life when i was helping disadvantaged people use learn how to use computers what the BBC website is one of the first we've taken to because it is easy to 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 navigate um, and it's it's bright and bold and there's pictures and there's there's audio and, and and things like that on there so there's every sort of thing that you want and then obviously you've got all like the bite sized stuff for the kids to learn yeah you know it's quite it's quite interesting and yeah you know I know we pay a lot of money for this so-called free over-the-air service, but I don't think you can really beat it. It's some top-quality programming comes out of the BBC. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Talking about um, the internet and mm. the web and all of that malarkey, I don't know if you read that article about by Tim Berners-Lee about the D-Web. No. So basically he had a big uh, conference or rather he was one of these people who went to this conference um, and basically the way the internet is at the minute is it's a collection of very centralised systems where people like Facebook and Google pretty much rule the roost mm -hmm. so he wants to develop what he's calling the distributed web or D-web which basically leans more on peer-to-peer -peer type technologies so it can never really go down it? Yeah, and, and and basically also stops this sort of um, centralisation of power and control, which so is a, kind of what we got at the minute. So I guess it kicks net neutrality in the ass as well. Yes, because if if you haven't got a centralised things, the bandwidth theoretically is shared everywhere all the time. Yeah, that's quite a good idea actually. I mean, it's it's kind of what the web was supposed to be originally. This is it. This is it. And, it, and it's sort of um, everyone was trying to link it to that sort of the whole um, Bitcoin thing, mm. and the way that that is um, distributed. But this is another interesting thing that I didn't realise. You know, if you set up kind of like a Bitcoin exchange, mm. yeah. So I get everyone to put their like Bitcoins in there. Yeah. I can just shut that down, run off with the money, and there's absolutely nothing anybody can do about it. Well, I suppose it's not regulated, is it? No, it, and I was kind of like, well, what is the point? Well, yeah, and also, it's like, um, you know, I know we have currency collapses every so often, which is, you know, not on, you know, I mean, Greece and Argentina it's, between them will, you know, every couple of years take it in turns to have a currency collapse, and that's great. I, I think you're being a little unfair because you're missing out Italy there. Oh, yeah, and Italy, yeah, sorry. You know, they, they've slipped under the radar there because it's been a while. Maybe it's their turn next. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and but what I'm kind of getting at is that you know these are major countries and stuff with with backing and and it generally gets sorted out. But whereas with these digital currencies, it's it's all kind of in the in the ether. There's there's no substance to it. There's nothing there. I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of like modern money. It's it's kind of the 
the eventual end game of you know we started off on the gold standard and then moved to oh actually well this money doesn't really exist but we'll control it with inflation and things like that yeah maybe we'll just end up trading with shells again maybe I mean there's a lot of shells about maybe I'm, I might go and start stockpiling and want to take the dog out for a walk you may as well yeah you may as well and pretty bottle, ones and bottle caps like in Fallout we'll do that yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> and, and 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 that was an interesting. When I travelled to Mexico many many moons ago, it was the first time I'd seen people um, collecting plastic bottles for recycling, mm. and they were just so far ahead. Yeah, well, you see it a lot out in India. Um, they they're massive on recycling, I guess because they 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 appreciate the fact that we've got limited resources, and also there's literally needs to be a job for everyone. And when you've got over a billion people. Um, you know, there's a, that's a lot of jobs to do, so there's a yeah, lot yeah. of manual manual collection in that regard. But I was thinking about plastic the other day, actually, and um, on my desk in front of me, I've got a big pot of of cotton butter which I use for my bits and pieces for modelling. Um, but these now have got paper sticks, so right. it's cotton's either end and there's paper through the middle because obviously they're trying to reduce plastic and everything. Um, and I was uh, we, I was out shopping the other day, um, and the 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 missus turns around and she's like, "Well, I want to get some straws, but I don't want plastic ones because you know they're we use them once, we throw them away, they end up in landfill or you know floating around in the ocean somewhere, and something chokes on it or or what have you." So we've we've now started buying cardboard straws. Okay. Which is good, but it's like you said, we're kind of coming back to the whole recycling thing. It's it's a big loop. We're coming back to, um, you know, uh, I think my parents and your parents' generation, uh, those generations that that did kind of didn't really throw anything away, and they made do and they mended things. And I think I think we're kind of getting back towards that because this whole single-use disposable culture we've got to can it's not sustainable, really. No, no. It, it, totally and it sort of hit me um, I happened to go into Morrison's on the weekend mm. um, and it's the first time I've been in Morrison's for you know forever and a day mm. but they had a big poster saying hey we're going back to paper bags and you think yeah actually there wasn't much wrong with paper bags rubbish for liquids I could guarantee you that yeah. but yeah. you know if, if you've got a bun or a bit of veg mm. a plastic bag will do you proud um, yeah and, and it's just this you know I, I, I think somewhere along the lines maybe society took a massive wrong turn in a lot of decisions that it made yeah. um, you know single use plastics but it's sometimes hard to have that foresight to say do you know what I think I've done this great technology it's called plastic and it can do so many things and it can be this and it can be that and la 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 and you think wow that's amazing and in the rush to create you know is is it realistic to expect people to look 10, 15 years down the road and say, well, actually, this might be a problem now? No, but I mean, that's I think that's indicative of society. I mean, like, the industry that you and I have worked in, they're, they are very short-sighted. You know, you know you're talking education here. You're, you're talking they're making decisions now that realistically we won't feel the effects of for 10, 15 years. I mean, they made decisions when I was at school about how exams were to be carried out and how we were to be taught different things, which are still, they have ramifications, you know, seven, eight years down the line. They, they weren't immediately felt. And it's not till 
eight, nine, ten years down the line, you go, well, actually, it didn't work. So what you've actually got is a generation of people out there where a big percentage of them were experimented on, as in, well, let's change the education system a little bit. And whilst I appreciate we need to make sweeping changes sometimes, um, you can't blame a generation that can't do something properly because they decided, oh, actually, let's try this. It's, it's like at the moment with apprenticeships, um, colleges are suffering because they're not getting any of that funding. All the funding's being diverted into to apprenticeships. And I, you know, we've had a conversation in the past about how how eventually the government are going to turn around and go, well, um, maybe we need to put some more money into further education because there's a lot going into higher education. You know, you you look at universities; they're they're getting funding left, right, and centre. Not to mention the fact that you've got the fees and everything for, for going now. And then, obviously, grassroots education, which you'd understand. Primary schools need more money. You know, if you if you can get education right when kids are, are really young, it, it, it's easier for going forwards. Whereas if you've got a bunch of kids that have kind of had it this way, that, in one school, and then they go to another school, to secondary school, and then everything's completely different. Because it always made me laugh when I went to college, and they were like, "Right, we're going to treat you like adults." Yet we were in a childish situation, and we still had to call them sir and miss. And it was just like, "Well, you're not treating us like adults, are you? We're we're still effectively children. We're still bound to the rules and regulations, and we don't get a say on how this goes." Yeah, yeah. I mean, that 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 does strike me as odd because when I went to college and university. It was all very first names. Mm. It was Dave and yeah. Ian and, and stuff like that. And it, it was okay. It, it, it feels creepy in retrospect now. Yeah. Um, and it seems a bit strange. But yeah, I mean, but again, it's kind of, it's, there's this constant short-term thinking, isn't it? Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll just implement this. And then we play around with it for eight years. And then it realizes it's, it's an absolute shower. Yeah. And then the person coming behind me can can sort it out because well I've got a job on the board somewhere so I don't really care well yeah I mean it's like um, they've changed UCSE grading haven't they from A to to F to 1 to 9 or whatever it is and but only in England yeah and flips so on its the, head so that's going to really confuse the hell out of anybody because if you, if you live in Wales and apply for a job in Bristol they're going to be like so what exams are these yeah what are these? Tell me, please. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. It, it, it needs to be fixed somehow, but I don't know how you, how you fix it. I, I mean, education to fix is a big problem because we don't all learn the same. No, there is that. But I, I also think that you can't... You can't have a classroom that is that fluid that will take into account everybody's style... No, I appreciate that, and and but I mean, what, kind of what I'm getting at is, is now in life, um, I, you know, work in an organisation, and we use different things like psychometric tests and different learning profiles to get people to get the most out of people, and to to kind of um, educate people the way that's best to educate them. Now, I appreciate that's not the easiest thing, but obviously that's easy to do when you've got fifteen, twenty people. And I appreciate in a classroom of fifteen, uh, sorry, thirty kids, that's not easy. But if if you, you know, if we start treating them 
a bit more like adults maybe at secondary school and applying some of these business world techniques to them A. it won't be a shock when they go into the world of business um, and B. would we actually get some better results out of the kids if they were you know if we did take advantage of learning styles and maybe group those kids together and have teachers that are able to teach that way oh for sure for sure because at the way at the way things are at the moment it isn't working no you know there's there's lots of people who get left by the wayside but I, I think I, I, I don't know whether it's just one of those things that it's just too big to get right that you've got to break it down into smaller chunks now that schools maybe are too big mm. and classes are too big and like you say maybe you have to you know identify people and say do you know what you would work over well in that group and you'd be great yeah. in that group and then maybe we've got to mix it all up again this afternoon because we're doing a subject where you're better this way and you're better that way do yeah. you know what I mean it may be more dynamic but it definitely isn't working because and I can't say too much but obviously the industry that I work in mm. we get the tail end of people who've crashed out of school yeah. and you say well do you know what that was a huge waste of the taxpayers money because little yeah. Johnny has suddenly rocked up with zero qualifications and it really scares me because every now and again I come across people and I'm thinking Christ you write like a three year old yeah because the, people have forgotten how to write no, and I yeah. don't, don't just mean they've forgotten how to to write neatly they've forgotten punctuation spelling grammar yeah. Um, how to construct a sentence in a way where you can convey it to people? I mean, uh, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. Um, the amount of people that write emails and put multiple full stops at the end of a sentence, like it's a trailing on conversation, and, and I need to s stop doing it because it frustrates me when I see that I've done it afterwards. But um, it's like thinking time, putting those dots in, and um, it's just you know, I mean, in a text message is different or, or whatever, but. Um, I think in emails there's there's no real place for it, and I've noticed that um, smiley faces have crept into emails. I wouldn't say they crept. I think they were forcefully inserted at some point, because I've had like loads of emails today with smiley face, and mm. maybe it's my age, but I thought email was supposed to be fairly formal, unless it was between your mates. Well, Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's a legal document at the end of the day. Um, and the, th the thing is, it <laughs> makes me laugh, is um, in the new version of, of Office in 2016, I think 2013 had it as well, if you actually do um, a semicolon in a closed bracket, it will turn it into a smiley face for you. Yeah, and then you, you want. No, you look at Skype for Business, um, link as it used to be in the old days, um, that has got a whole suite of uh, emoticons in it, so people can send stuff like I deal with a guy at work quite often who instead of saying oh can we have a quick call just sends me a picture of two phones and, and that's <laughs> that's it that's just not acceptable is it but that, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's not effective communication in any way shape or form no but that's what people do um, yeah. but yeah, what, what can you do you know can I, I can't really turn around to him and go oh any chance you can use um, proper sentences but why not? Well, Cause cause I, well the, the, the thing is, if in jobs in the past, managers have said to me, do you know what, I don't want you doing this because X, Y, Z. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this guy a, is a client, so this is the issue I, I run into. Oh. Yeah. 
So you know the, the so, customers. Well, then yeah. You're just gonna have to suck that up. I'm gonna have to. Yeah. I'm gonna have to live with it. Deal with it. The <laughs> customer is always right. Yeah. Well, that's one of the basic of the tenets of yeah. Well, this is it. Um, I was having this discussion earlier on um, with somebody, and I don't know how I feel about it. Um, not the discussion, the content. Kirsty Allsop, did you hear about that? Oh, the iPad smashing thing. Yeah. Yeah, for kids. She's she's getting a bit. Um, oh, what's that irritating, horrible, nasty woman, blonde? Was on The Apprentice, I think. Oh, um, the one who keeled over after having ketamine administered to her in South yeah, Africa. That's uh, the one. Katie. Katie. Yeah. She's getting. I mean, she's a far way off it, but she's getting like that. She's going down. She's becoming controversial, almost for the sake of being controversial. I would. I would maybe exercise a little bit of caution because. Going from Kirsty Olsop to Katie Hopkins... It's a big you know, leap. The, it's a big leap. It is. It goes from smashing an iPod to being horrendously right-wing proto-fascist. <laughs> I appreciate I see where you're coming from. But, I mean, um, I just feel like she's been a little bit controversial for the sake of it. Well, it, what, it, what it brought up was... Um, it was it was on Radio 4 this morning um, on the Today Show, and they were saying about it, and they had some woman on, um, a psychologist, I think, saying, oh, well, you know, it's not good parenting, it's a lack of control, and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I get all of that. Mm. But that kind of reminds me of 1970s-style parenting. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, look, I wasn't around, but um, from what I've heard, it wasn't great. Because we... we, we <laughs> It, yeah, I mean, it's, it was a clip round the ear, and and it, things got broken and, and smashed. Yeah, if you, and, if and they weren't there, you can muck about with them. No, this is it, and it, it was very much like that in schools. Um, you know, nineteen seventy-five. Uh, sorry, nineteen seventy schooling was you know very hands-on, um, mm-hmm. and, and and I don't know because I can kind of see where she's coming from to a certain extent. I, I can to a certain extent, but the thing is, is her kids didn't go out and buy those devices. She went out, bought them, and gave them to them. Wow, so, you're assuming that. Oh, well, this is true, but I mean, I don't think her kids are particularly old, are they? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, hor- I'm horribly Im- ill-prepared for the backstory. Yeah, no, I I want to have a look because I've got a funny feeling from what I read that her, her kids aren't um, massively old. I mean, if they're like you know 16, 17, I kind of. You know, I can see where you come from. You know, there's a chance that they've, um, they've been, they've gone out and, and got them themselves. Um, but I, I, th- I got a feeling they're younger because she talked about a while back because she was on a plane, wasn't she? And um, her kids go back in like what do you call it, economy, and she goes up in first class. Really? Yeah, because so yeah, this is the other thing actually. Yeah, so this is what I'm saying. So, yeah, Kirsty Allsop defends flying business while children go economy. Uh, Miss Allsop said that her children, 10 and 12, there you go, sit in economy. Uh, some have suggested that she should look after her children and sit with them. Miss Allsop said it was utter rubbish, adding that they have her sons in premium seats seemed an absurd waste of money and very spoiling. She pointed out that money saved from not buying two more expensive seats allows her family to take a shed load of holidays, which I should imagine they'll need their iPads for when they're on the planes for a long time, but they can't now because they've been smashed. This is it. So this, this is, is 
just don't take the kids on holiday. I think well, that's the uh, thing. But I, 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 I find that weird. I mean, if she's up in first class and they're in like a separate part of the plane, that just strikes me as a bit odd. Apparently, um, Gordon Ramsay does the same thing. He he and his wife fly first class, and their kids sit in economy. Um, <coughs> now, the thing is, uh, you know, they're kids, and they're your kids, so they shouldn't be someone else's problems. What if your kid is uh, has got a nut allergy, and you've gone, I'll oh, go sit back in economy. I'm going to sit up here, and someone's brought nuts onto the plane, and that kid goes into anaphylactic shock. Granted, you're got not going to be any further than about 30, 40 foot away, right? But the point. But every is, second counts. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you might have their EpiPen in your bag, and then there's a bunch of people between you and your child. And I just think, I don't know. You know families should sit together on planes because what if those kids start kicking off, or they're kicking someone's seat? Excuse me, or they're being rude and whatever. You, you know, they're your kids. Um, look after them. Yeah, it's it's, it's certainly. Um yeah, she's just foisting them on to uh, the economy yeah. class, isn't she? Exactly, and and also, as a you know, probably going forwards into the future, are those kids going to be like, oh no, I really know the value of money now, or are they going to be like, I can't believe mum and dad used to be such tight asses and make us sit in economy whilst they drank champagne up in first class? You know, you know, why weren't we good enough? And then you kind of lead to the whole, you know, they're going to need therapy for that in the future. But yeah, her kids aren't particularly old. You know, we're, we're, we're talking 10 and 12 years, so I don't think they went out and bought the iPads themselves. Although I could which, be... is, which is just as well, because they need to save their money for celebrity therapy in the future. They will, and that's probably going to be the next um, show on Channel 5, Celebrity Therapy. <clears throat> yeah, they kind of have that on Radio 4, but without the, <laughs> but without the, the uh, celebrities. Um I shouldn't laugh. It's quite an interesting um, series, actually. Mm-hmm. A woman called Susie Orbach, I think her name is. Right. And it used to be like a 15-minute um, show. And basically, they were just recording what happened in one of her therapy sessions. You know, these yeah. people weren't famous and all the rest of it. Um, and, and that was fascinating. Well, yeah, I mean, I listened to a... a is it called in therapy? I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, there's the yeah. It is. Um, it's called in therapy on Radio Four. Um, it's on. It's on Radio Four iPlayer. Um, but yeah, there is a. Um, I was listening to a Spike Milligan in his own words audiobook a little while back, and there's one on there where he talks to a therapist, and he talks about his depression and how he struggled with it and how you know people assume that because he was smiling he was fine and, and all that stuff because um, I think actually today Prince William was in Bristol unveiling or starting off a new mental health charity campaign um, which you know is good I mean I think it's, it's about time we started to pay more attention to mental health issues because I think they're becoming more and more prevalent because people are put under more and more pressure at earlier and earlier and I don't think we give necessarily give people the tools to cope with modern life. Oh, most definitely, and I, I think as well, there's there's society is never quick enough to recognise mental health um, stress points. Because I was reading in the Guardian um, 
no it wasn't i think it was on radio 4 again um they were basically saying that like a quarter of teenagers um cite social media as one of the things that depress them understandable yeah and you know it takes a side you know how long has social media been kicking about now and Quite they still while, yeah. yeah and they still haven't sort of started factoring that into kids lives about saying Do you know what social media this this is how it can affect you this is you know don't don't buy into that to the nonsense etc etc yeah. and so you know we, we don't we, we don't equip kids for anything really I, I don't think because you know you, you chuck them off into school parents are so busy now so stressed now quite funny actually going back a little while when I was uh, when I was working at Midsummer and Autumn I uh, had a client at school and I went in it was a it was a, a infant school uh, you know so uh, primary it was it was both did infants and juniors but anyway the the class that I was in was an infant class so you've got these little kids sat around and they've you know had story time and they're singing songs and you know doing all the stuff and and learning without realizing they're learning um and I was just chatting to the teacher when she was outside on playground duty I was um having a cup of coffee and she was saying about how many kids turn up now at, at age four and five that haven't been potty trained like literally parents will drop them off and go oh um, they haven't been potty trained yet and they're expected to teach them how to use the toilet that's frightening so on, on one hand we've got parents that that can't teach their kids to potty train and on the other hand the same parents that probably turn around at some point and go oh that teacher is a paedophile because he's been looking at my kid and you're like well um, hang on if you know do your part of the job properly so that temptation is not well, temptation maybe is the wrong word, but that situation doesn't arise. Yeah. You know, if you make that situation not arise, then do, do you solve part of the problem? I mean, I guess if someone's determined enough, they're determined enough. But I just think that it's a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I always thought that you know, parenting was you sorted all that nonsense out before kids got to school. Well, this is what I thought, um, but you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong could be you know it's, it's not it's not beyond the realms of possibility did you see that um that thing this week about yellow hammer no oh that's the 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 no brexit the no deal brexit code name no it i was, didn't um... yeah i'm pretty sure it was yellow hammer let me just check um it was it was a snatched snatched picture that someone had um I'm pretty sure it's called uh, yellow hammer yeah, Operation Yellowhammer. Um, yeah, government issues advice over a no-deal Brexit. So it's called Yellowhammer, and they had this picture of it. It's, the thing is, is that there's more and more talk about a no-deal Brexit. And I just think, you know, we've got people here that are trying to make decisions for us without asking us now. And I just think it's amusing. <laughs> This is the scary thing, isn't it? Because mm. what's going on now bears no relation to what that referendum was about. No, it doesn't. Not at all. It's um, it's it's kind of frightening, and it's kind of. It just seems to be, you know, the people running this debacle are supposed to be the great and the good and the, and the wise and the intelligent, mm. and they couldn't organise the proverbial. Do you no. know what I mean? 
No, it really couldn't. You know, they've had all this time and they still can't even agree on the bargaining position effectively. No. It's just, it's just absolutely ridiculous. What am I paying my taxes for? Well, yeah. And the thing is, it's not like you can boycott it because they tend to come in, start, you know, putting your prisoners stuff. This is it. I, I tried to stop. Taxing, yeah, yeah I, I tried to stop paying the council tax, but we'll save that story for another day because yeah. it, is, it is mildly amusing. It, it involves the police. Um, and a taser gun potentially was drawn, um, but we'll save that story for another day. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, talking about Radio Four, mm-hmm. um, it's on the iPlayer. You ever listen to Fags, Mags, and Bags? Uh, no, 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 I haven't. Right, this is my recommendation. It, it is very funny. Give it a couple of um, episodes. Yeah. To get into it, um, but basically, it's about uh, like a corner shop in Glasgow oh yeah uh, it's, it's just very very funny um, I'll just throw that in there for anybody wanting a, a little bit of a smile fags mags and bags ok fags mags and bags I'll make sure it goes in the uh, the show notes which I'm going to I'm actually going to put up this week because I did you. I did get a couple of, of messages saying where are the show notes because I'm interested in seeing where some of your Bits and nonsense comes from. from. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and are you are you just making all of this up? Just a picture of my um, just a picture of a brain scan. Going, this is this is it. Um, is this kind of along the lines of um, fags, mags, and bags? Is it kind of along the lines of um, oh, what's that? The council. There's a council Twitter thing, and there's that the fizzy thing. I can't remember where it's from. Don't know, you stumped me there. But kind of think yeah. um, it, it's a bit. I don't know. I, I kind of think of it. Kind of, um, it's a bit Father Ted ah, in, in, in 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 some of its humour. It's, it's some of it is. There's some really good characters in there, and it is very, very, very funny. Um, so it's worth uh, tuning in for. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Because um, it's always. I always seem to. I'm always just jumping in the car because it's usually on about midday ish, sort of half eleven ish. And I'm usually just getting in the car after being with somebody yeah. uh, connected with work. So I, I yeah, have I to sort of. That, uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. think you meant you'd been, you know, out acquiring ladies of the night or whatever. No, no, well, no, it's no, not, no. It's no. not night time, so it's difficult to get them. I bow to your superior intelligence on the subject. That's just what I've read. And yeah. obviously, I'm asking for a friend, so. Of course, not, not, of not course. a problem. <laughs> um, so, the, on. yeah, yeah. So, the obviously the the website um, for for this is realism is I'm pretty just is this is um, realism dot wordpress dot com. That's it. And Sh- should find real, it. Yeah, and it's not because re- when I when we kind of concocted the name rather mm. brutally. Yeah. I think we should have mentioned it's got nothing to do with the art form realism. No, absolutely or, nothing at all. Yeah. yeah so the people or, that have listened for that, uh, sorry, you've, you've you've got through forty minutes. Unfortunately, we're not going to be talking about art in the way that you want us to. This is it. Although, funnily enough, um, I didn't realise, much to my poor ignorance, that um, Winston Churchill was such a prolific artist. Yeah, well, I I went recently to the War Rooms and they have got a big Churchill thing there. Yeah, he was. 
fantastic and quite a good artist as well yeah so 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 everyone was saying and um that really surprised me i think he, i think the quote i took away from it was light is life apparently his pictures were quite a lot of his pictures were very sort of driven by light and yeah uplifting and it helped with the, his depression and stuff like that so yeah, yeah a very good um orator i think the word is um yes yeah and apparently his dad was as well um very good at convincing people to do things um i guess they would call him a manipulator no however but very good at uh, a raconteur very good at storytelling and uh propaganda and stuff yeah i mean yeah <laughs> you know the stuff that helped him win the war i guess this so, is it you know needs must and all yeah. of that so yeah um the website this is realism.wordpress.com um i will put up the show notes on there um for this one uh, and make sure it's on there and uh, make sure there's no pictures of, of olives and peppers on there anymore because they probably don't fit with what we're doing no no although um, I, I saw something on the TV about making vinegar yeah yeah and it was fascinating which you just you... get really nice wine put it next to someone who's quite bitter and wait for it to turn yeah pretty much no you, you, you have to have um, a mother culture oh really yeah Fair enough. This surprised me, and, and this guy makes vinegars out of all sorts. So he had like a prune vinegar. A different. Um, yeah, and it was really thick and syrupy, apparently, but it's like good in cakes. Oh, really? um, and he had like a ginger vinegar. But you, yeah, you you need the mother culture to to start. So when the vinegar's ready, you can like separate the cultures out. So the mother gives you another sort of culture I didn't I used to make um, kombucha tea oh yeah and so you kind of need a culture for that and you've got to separate them out and, and that's how you can have like multiple batches because once the one batch is ready the mother culture splits into two and you peel it apart and you oh, can right. reuse both of them again so I was surprised vinegar was so complex much to my colossal ignorance well I've I've, I've not got into vinegar um, other than apple cider vinegar and and the stuff I put on my chips, that yep. is literally it. Although I did at the weekend make a stunning pulled pork using um, basic barbecue sauce and, and a load of other ingredients, and it was fantastic. And uh, it went down very well. And even I enjoyed doing it because I don't normally enjoy the things I've cooked because I've normally spent hours in the kitchen cooking them. Fair so enough. That was that was good. Okay. There you go. So, what have we learnt? Well, we've learnt that um, apparently if you're rich, you put your kids in steerage and drink champagne. Yeah. And, and then smash their iPads to prove a point. This is it. We've learnt that people are going to start taking an LSD to see if tripping at work is a good idea. I can't, ima- I can't imagine it's going to be good news. Well, it's all right unless you're driving. I mean, if you're a bus driver, please don't microdose LSD. I'm not sure it's for you, um, or a taxi driver. Um, however, um, I wouldn't mind seeing like maybe the odd accountant being creative for a different reason. Yeah. Um, cooking the books. Um, we've learnt that there's a ghost, Sally in the, in the woods. woods in yeah. Bath. Um, we've done pretty good. We we've, we briefly touched on Yellow Hammer. Um, and I, I, when I think of Yellow Hammer, I'm thinking of one of those squidgy plastic ones that you stand on and it squeaks. I was thinking more in the lines of some sort of um, bird, like a woodpecker. Yeah, 
that could be that. You know, just just banging its head against an, an, an immovable object, just trying to get through. Yeah. And I think another thing we've learned, and this is quite important, and, and in all seriousness, if you want to reconnect with your family, winning four million pounds will enable that to happen. That's true. And I That's should imagine, true. and I should imagine they will bend uh, to whatever it is that they were wrong about in the past. Admit that and quite happily um, relieve you of some of the four million reasons they've got in contact. That's it. That's it. I, th- I think that's a very profound lesson yeah, for all not, of us. And not cynical, because no. it's, it's not. I mean, it, that's just, you know, it, it's just how the world works. So that's fine. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. Well, thank you for a wonderful conversation, young man. Um, and, you. and so hopefully ten more people will listen to this uh the next time we uh, cavort on the airwaves yeah. so uh, at, at a certain point you know it could be more than 10 people and if we good job we didn't start naming names because we would then start having podcasts um, to just say the names of the people that have listened to the podcast and then do the actual podcast <clears throat> that might be a bonus podcast we might have to do the podcast and then just name the names yeah just just us sitting there reading names I mean they, they, we just get a, maybe we'll get a phone book each and just go through it or there's going to be a bit of software we can just bang some text in and it'll automatically read it for us it'll sound robotic but it'll be kind of like AI-ish yeah. you know the, the, the internet is, is reading these names in, yeah. in, in some sort of uh, it might become a kill list do it, some, do it like some sort of number station type thing maybe do a weird yeah. YouTube channel to go with it we'll do that that yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. That's a, that sounds a good, good waste of our time as usual <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. 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 There we go. So, goodbye right. from us until next time. Right. Bye. Bye.